It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. Nice. I feel like the theremin is like the key instrument. I feel like we should just have the theremin throughout the whole... Let's just make a podcast that's just a theremin. I'm in. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your host... Hey, I'm Bryce Johnson. And your producer... (laughs) Riley Brett. This is the podcast where we uh, interview celebrity guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. Yeah. And with us today, we have a very uh, special guest he is an actor and a do you consider yourself a comedian no do, yeah I, I would not be alone in that either <laughs> actor and performer uh we've done a show together for the past few years at ucbla called gravid water you've seen him in 30 rock you may have seen him in deadpool comic books and and the new uh guardians of the galaxy comic book um, he's been in a million cool. things. He's an awesome dude. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Scott Atsit. Yeah. Good afternoon. What's Good happening? Evening. Yeah. It could be any time. It could be any time. Good day or not. I wonder if people listen to this during the nighttime because it's sort of spooky or if it's a daytime show because they may not want to drift immediately from this into nightmares. I know that that's like a real thing. I can't watch a scary movie before bed. Um, and, and uh, maybe in the afternoon, but like, uh, what was the last scary movie you watched that actually kept you up? Oh, geez. That's a great question. I don't know. But you're, you're, you're an adult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, stick around for another 45 minutes to an hour and you may have a different yeah, opinion about that. It's so true. You know, I was telling my six year old boy, he's very sensitive to the, uh, to the movies that we show him. And, uh, you know, I was like, Hey, when I was like six, my older brother and my dad, I'd spend the summers with my father and. I didn't get a say on the movies they chose, and my brother used to love to torture me with movies like Aliens and The Terminator, and and I but I couldn't turn away. And today they're still like some of my favorite movies, you know. But they they really kind of got into my head really good. Today I can't really do the like uh, like the ghost like taking over the house and like you know possessing you type movies. You stay Those... away from the James Wan films, yeah, because <laughs> too scary or just don't believe them. No, I I have a super. Uh, I have I. That's a good question. <laughs> I have a big imagination, so I, I I like to like get inside. And I think I'll just spook myself. Yeah, I'm. I'd probably scare myself. Oh, so you can't watch a ghost movie? <laughs> I can't. I can because you love ghosts so much. No, this no, this is just too much for this me. This is just too much for me. Uh, isn't, I know that's strange enough, but uh, yeah, I, I, they get inside my head. My wife's the same way. She's really? like, I can't do it because. So do you tell your six year old, listen, <laughs> be afraid of things. <laughs> Basically, the things you can't understand or see, just be frightened of them. <laughs> Trust us. That's pretty much Trust it. your parents. Yeah. The unknown will get you. Yeah. And now daddy's got to go to his Bigfoot podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to think like the movies that scared me the most as a kid were not the ones that had actual like real monsters. Like I could watch Aliens and be fine with it, but E.T. scared the hell out of me because right. it looked a little too human and my imagination would always take the nice things and make them creepy totally and that's what would freak me out yeah i the frightening thing for for, for me about ghosts is i was trying to figure it out why ghosts are scary because they're just people who are in a different place and are confused and that's it essentially you've got a crazy person in your house right and you can't yeah. trust them yeah <laughs> right yeah. an invisible crazy person yeah i mean 
malevolent or whatever, you know, lost or confused or needing to complete a task or whatever it is, they're just people. Right. And and generally, they can't touch you. They can't touch anything. Maybe they can move chairs or stack things or whatever, but generally they don't get at you. You're just afraid that they're in the house or watching you or whatever, um, and, the, and the potential that they might hurt you. But essentially, they're just, if, you know, it depends on your definition of ghost, but I think they're just like confused people, right? <laughs> I, like that, I yeah. don't want a crazy person in my house thinking it's their yeah. house. It's just like having an old, uh, uh, like senile person, yeah. like an old grandpa mm-hmm. just walking around bumping into cabinets. It's uh, like, that. there's a great movie called The Others. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which that's is, a great flick. I haven't seen it. You haven't oh, seen The man. Others? No. That's a good one. That's a great ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll check it out. But it is, I mean, it's... it's don't a, do it, you won't sleep again. <laughs> don't, right. read it, don't read anything about it either. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But that's a great creepy thing about about confusion and all that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the closest to what a ghost would be if ghosts existed, which they do not. Right. Well, that's why I always think ghosts... <laughs> wait a minute. Now, that's why I think the ghost... End go- of podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Theremin for two more hours, and then your computer explodes. Um I, that's the thing that's always sad. I, th- I f- it's sad about ghosts. Not only are they dead, and so you're like, oh, that sucks. They're dead, but also like they're dead and lost. Like they can't find their way to whatever the afterworld is. And the ones that always bum me out, and I know this is what most people find scary, are the little kid ghosts. Oh yeah, but those break my heart because I'm like, those kids, they don't know what. Come on, someone needs to go help those kids. I know. Get to the other side. But the, the, there's an assumption that they know something we don't know, know. and that they're they're gonna get us because with their evil innocence. Which begs the question. Are ghosts smarter than us? <laughs> are ghost kids smarter than us? No, they're confused. Go- they think they think they're supposed to be here and they're not, right? So mm-hmm. they're dummies. Ghosts are a bunch of dummies. All right, so ghosts are <laughs> idiots. Ghosts, are- I challenge you. Prove me <laughs> wrong, you idiots. Let me ask you this. Has there ever been a ghost of a genius before? Or are we finding out that all ghosts are ghosts because they're idiots who when they died, they couldn't figure well, out that they were dead? They also can't communicate with us. They don't. They don't do it well. They have to go through a psychic or some person. You have to pay. Yeah, to, right. to talk right. to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need. A, I need a go between. <laughs> I guess I'll get this charlatan to do it. Ghosts well, are creating jobs. You know. That's yeah, right. that's right. That's right. The joke, guys. We are dependent now more than ever on the ghost economy. We need to keep. We need to keep these jobs alive. A genius ghost would just go in front of Congress and say, "Okay, we're here. Yeah. We, we have rights. Whatever they want." And and they don't because I they don't exist. I think you just convinced me that ghosts don't exist. Thank you. I yeah. was moving on fully in the <laughs> camp that they did, and now I realize there's no UN ghosts. It, it doesn't exist. They don't exist. Okay, before we move on, I have a little BCC news. Yes. Did you guys see the um, story about the pilots, the commercial pilots who saw UFOs uh, in February over Arizona? Yeah. Okay, well, uh, this is from CNN.com. I'm just going to read the story off the web because I'm lazy this morning. Uh, (laughs) Journalistic integrity. Yeah, there you go. Because journalistic integrity is paraphrasing. (laughs) That's all it is, right? (laughs) There's reporters who actually do stuff, and then everyone else paraphrases. You know, there was a few outlets that picked it up. I I saw it from Apple News. Oh, it was all uh, over the place. all over the place. I think we put it up on the Facebook page. If not, it'll be up there by the time you read this. Um, 
from CNN. Two commercial pilots flying flying over the Arizona desert claim they saw an unidentified flying object pass overhead, according to a radio broadcast released by the Federal Aviation Administration. A Learjet pilot and an American Airlines pilot saw the object on February 24th and radioed the regional air traffic controller in Albuquerque. Was anybody uh, above us that passed us like 30 seconds ago? The Learjet pilot said in a brief exchange. Negative, air traffic controller replied. Okay, the pilot said. Something did. A UFO, <laughs> someone quickly responded. Yep, the pilot replied again with a chuckle. So, uh, first plane, this thing goes over their head. Yeah. And they radio control tower. They're like, what is flying out here with us? It was going in the opposite direction. Then, minutes later, FAA controller alerted an American Airlines plane be on the lookout. It was flying in the island. Yeah, it was flying behind him. He said, uh, we just got a report. Have you guys seen anything up there? And they say, no. I'm no longer reading from CNN now. I'm just going to the para- <laughs> straight to paraphrasing. Um, and the American Airlines pilot radioed back, radioed back like a couple minutes later and said, yep, it just passed over us. Yeah. And they asked if they got a good look at it. And they said, no, it it looked like it had, it was in the middle of the day, it said it was very shiny, it almost looked like it had bright lights, but they couldn't identify it. There was nothing out there flying. So it was just a cool, it's like a cool uh, corroborating eyewitness totally. account of something strange flying over there. They asked, I think the air traffic controller asked, the American Airlines pilot, if it was, uh, oh, I think one of them said it could have been, they asked if it was a Google balloon, I guess, and, <laughs> right. and they he were like, no, no, no yeah. that's not it. That that wouldn't, you wouldn't see that. It I think we're like over that. the swamp gas balloon misconfusions thing. Why you is know? it always a balloon? I know. <laughs> because often it is. No. <laughs> now I understand what kind of guest you're going to be on this show. <laughs> it's going to be a fun episode. These are, these are my favorite ones, though. This uh, These, you know, commercial airline pilots who are flying the skies n- nonstop. And, you know, finally, when they see something, they can't explain. And, you know, this actually got some news media attention. Which I, I thought what was interesting is like, oh, this is kind of splashing over the uh, uh, the news waves when normally, you know, these commercial airline pilots, they see them, I wouldn't say quite often, but especially military pilots. And I would say there's about, you know, 25 to 50 cases like this a year reported to MUFON where like, you know, pilots see something, report them back in. Most pilots don't want to report them back in. Yeah, because they get um, made fun of. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, when these pilots land, they have to, you know, they have to fill out a report on the whole thing. And and uh, so maybe it's just, I feel like ever since that kind of December article came out where the Pentagon acknowledged their, studying you know, they're studying things. their, uh, their uh, I think it was called the Advanced Threat Initiation Program, that maybe the these, you know, news outlets are a little bit more... And that to, uh, got funded them. in Congress by Harry Reid and other uh, senators that had seen these things when they themselves were flying planes in like the Korean War. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so if it's an alien, yeah, flying a spaceship, not necessarily an alien. Okay, so if it's Russians spying on us, not necessarily Russians. Right, so who who are you? Th- if I don't know. Go on. No, you're naysaying. No, what's your what point? I'm no, 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 so no. I want to no, know no, what no, your no. theory is. <laughs> I would no, like no, to no. disprove whatever you think. <laughs> no. Uh, I want to hear your thing. I'm sorry. I'm being a bad host. I'm just wondering what the purpose of flying very low on our radar and close to our uh, jets is doing for whoever's flying that aircraft. Well, part of the the thing I remember too is they they made kind of a meal out of it. Was it this is very near Roswell and right. you know and so it's like you know they tried to connect those dots. The, so the, like, that's the media trying to anchor <clears throat> sure make anchor a story, the story of it because yeah. there's not much there. But you know, you, but we I, want there to be. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's maybe. the problem. That is the problem. But also, these things are flying around. 
there's something. And that's what I mean. They're not necessarily aliens from another planet. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily Russians. Uh, we have our theories on, on this show what they could be. Please. There's a few different classes. You have the sort of uh, nuts and bolts field where this is a, this is a you know. A, a metal object. A metal object. Handmade. Uh, constructed. Handmade, either here on Earth. Privately. Or maybe. Yeah. Or, or from an extraterrestrial, like, you know, a planet. planet Zeta Reticuli visiting or or whatever. Then you have uh, sort of an interdimensional theory, which is, uh, you know, these things exist in sort of the same field of space and field of time that we do, but Dimensional sort of, overlap. Yeah, yeah a, a dimensional, dimensional overlap. overlap. They're popping in, they're popping back out. Uh, and these things might be, the UFOs themselves might be some type of, the, the, the craft itself is a type of entity that is from another dimension that isn't necessarily handmade by aliens or man is not necessarily a nuts and bolts object, but might be in and of itself its sure. own type of being. I think the evidence points to that as well, being the obvious I mean, answer. Yes, but I think it could be it could be any and all, above all of these things. Absolutely, I don't think just because it is a Russian, it could also be have, a balloon, and they just didn't identify it in their minds as a balloon. True. But, Yes, but you would also think that if you've got the air traffic controller saying it's not a balloon, and we don't know what this is, mm. then that leaves it open. Yeah, okay, maybe it's a balloon, but maybe el maybe it's also a UFO. Maybe. Well, I mean, I think it's a UFO just by definition that it's an unidentified flying object. Yeah, no. but I mean, it could be. You know, there could be a, a giant goat god that coughed out a piece of metal he was eating, and it flew over the plane. Uh, that, sure. It could be that. It could as be well. that. It could be that. You can't say it isn't. <laughs> no, you absolutely can. Well, <clears throat> if we we have enough of these stories though now from the past, I'd say hundred years at least. Mm -hmm. Let's just narrow it down the hundred years. We have enough eyewitness sightings. We have enough video stories, testimony, video testimony. We have, we have um, just released in December, Air Force pilots reporting chasing a fleet of unidentified flying objects. This is this is real stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I, th there is some. Th the thing is, when you start examining these cases, yes. enough. Um, there's enough repetition in them. There's enough that they have in common that points to a recurring phenomenon that is unknown, that is consistent within the realm of, okay, this is, w this is what acts and behaves like a UFO. Yeah, they're not obeying the, our current laws of physics. They're, uh, and, of course, you have all the other times they are balloons and they're, mm -hmm. they're weird stuff in the sky. But I think in, in those wild fields, there are still some that are unexplained. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, to give you an example like that, one that uh, in the December in the New York Times, they released that article about that uh, the Pentagon program. They also released three videos along with it. Yeah, And one, one was, was recorded on uh, an F-18 and, and a young pilot. He's got it on his... Uh, on his control lock. And he's really basically kind of watching this kind of like light blobule. And what's great is I love the pilots. That's a technical term. Yeah, exactly. What I love are these pilots are talking to each other. Are you seeing this thing? Yeah, I'm seeing it. And it's starting, it's starting to like uh, morph and shape shift as they're watching it. Mm -hmm. And then zoom, it just uh, blinks out like a light bulb. But uh, when, when you get like, you know, uh, especially those military jet pilots, their their testimony along with vi their their video that they took of it, because these guys pretty much know what kind of technological prowess is in the sky. And so they can immediately kind of uh, nix that, like, I know they tried to spin, like you were saying, and maybe the, the Russians have some sort of a technological ad advancement or over we us. Do. Um, but the director of the program said uh, in, in all... And he was like, in all likelihood, that is just not the case. You know, these are 
We, he came everything from saying short. I just listened to another interview with yeah. him. He came every, he came just short of admitting that they, he thought that they weren't from this planet. Yeah. And you know, funny enough, he, he left the program because he said the government's interest in this was waning. So, uh, he, you know, they weren't, he, the, he said they weren't taking it seriously enough, yeah. um, which I think is so interesting. It's like, yeah, those are great UFO videos, but uh, we got to work on some other budgets and so they they cut that, but they, you know I well, guess they're like, still running. Well, it's like trying to grab smoke. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah exactly. That's and why are we true. spending billions of dollars on trying to grab smoke? That's a great, actually, great analogy. It for is. Um, Scott, tell us, please, if any, what is your personal paranormal history? Well, I have never uh, seen anything that I couldn't explain. I I believe I'm trying, I was going through my history and I couldn't think of anything that made me a believer. Um, but I do have a story that was handed down through my family because uh, my family came from southern or mid, mid Illinois. And uh, there was a story there around 1877. Uh, it was it's kind of a rural town close to the Indiana border called Watsika. And there was a, a, a girl there named uh, Rancy Venom. Rancy Venom. Yeah. That's a great her name. Her full name was Lou Rancy, but they called her Rancy. Gotcha. And this is uh, people, is this someone that your family knew or was in your family? Yeah, my family was uh, friends of the family. Okay. And <clears throat> Rancy was, I think, 13 when she started uh, falling asleep for hours in the middle of, you know, walking or helping around the house. And, uh, and she, so she'd fall asleep for hours, five hours at a time, and just wake up. And then eventually she started waking up and saying she'd been to heaven mm. and she talked to angels Whoa. and she had spoken to her little uh, dead brother. And so... Um, Smart kid. He made so, it through. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and he seems to know who he is and where he is. Yeah. Um, and so this got a lot of attention, of course, and they had psychiatrists come in and talk to her and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with her or what was going on and... Uh, so they were going to commit her to no. an insane asylum. That's a shame. In, in, in Watsika, Illinois. And at that uh. time, you know, insane asylums were dumping grounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people just stay there forever and probably go insane there. So she'd become a bit of a celebrity because of these visions or whatever she Near death experiences, yeah. maybe. Yeah. So a guy came. Another person from Watsika came, uh, named Asa. I forget his last name. Uh, um, forget Asa Vossworks. That's and, a cool name too. And Asa had a daughter named Mary who mm-hmm. had died a few years earlier, and she had she was suffering from the same thing. Weird. And so he was what was called then a spiritist. Mm-hmm. He believed in the supernatural and ghosties. And uh, so he brought in a doctor named Stevens and they met Rancy and talked to Rancy and put her under a mesmeration Mm -hmm. spell and, Mm -hmm. uh, and started talking to her and hanging around the house and, and, you know, getting to know the, the family, the Venom family. And Rancy then would occasionally in, in these hypnosis sessions, uh, channel people she said were dead people mm-hmm. a guy who committed suicide and a, a woman who had died 
Uh, and that was all very impressive and, and support for Stevens and, and not Voss, whatever his mm-hmm. name was. Um, and Asa. Asa. And they uh, encouraged that and, and hypnotized her some more. And eventually, Rancy woke up and said she was Mary. Right. And so she became Mary and, uh, and her father, Asa, was thrilled and, and, uh, Mary would go away and Rancy would come back and then it would go back and forth between them over the course of a few weeks. And then eventually Mary took over and there was no Rancy. I think I've heard this and story these are before. Two separate... Saw the Watsika wonder. Yeah, I think I've heard this. And these are two separate people. Yeah, of, Mary, dead, Mary yeah. had been Ace's daughter who was dead, oh. and Rancy started channeling her, and then Mary would come through, and then, right, Mary take, t- eventually took eventually over. Eventually, she was living in the, in the Venom house, not really knowing the Venom family, not, uh, not remembering where to go or who they were or anything. Hmm. So um, they took her, they took Rancy to the other house across town that she'd never been to, and she felt very at home there and sure. was in Mary in the house. <clears throat> for a few months. Wow. And lived as Mary. And then uh, one day she, after all, all these months of living there, oh, and she had, there were things, weird things, like she had not met her sister, or Mary's sister, who mm-hmm. was still living. And uh, her name was, uh, oh, shoot, I'm terrible. Uh, this is already um, better researched than any story we've told on this show, <laughs> so don't worry about it. It's true. Get, uh, but get she, ready for mine coming up. But she I had tapped into this this Mary's life, and she knew everything. Well, her 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 Mary's sister came up the walk with her mother, and and she recognized her, yeah, and uh, and called her by her nickname, right? Which mm. and, and which uh, no one had called her by that anymore <clears throat> since since Mary since had died. Mary died, and. Then she also said, my God, why, why are you so old? Right? Wow. Um, and eventually she said, I'm going to be leaving soon. And she was, she was sad about that. And she said, it's time for me to go. And so she spent, she like a, for two weeks, she was like on a farewell tour and hugging everybody <laughs> and, and visiting relatives and saying, I, I'm going to have to go. And then wow. she, she woke up as Rancy and went home. And that, it was... Uh, just lived a normal life. That is wild. Did Mary have like descriptions from the other side? Was she? Could she recall? Not that I've read. Not yeah. that I've heard in the oh stories. My God, you know, I'm so I'm, wild. Well, I mean, it is. It is fascinating. Yeah. Um. And and. Um. Uh, I mean, even if it was a hoax. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I'm well I'm done. Reminded hoax. Of a couple different types of stories. There's, you know, there's a case of I think it was a boy in India who was six years old, and he he claimed complete knowledge of old aviation World War II planes, <laughs> something he had no idea not about. In India, uh, maybe somewhere I, I might have not have the details. No, this correct, is but, well, there is one. There is an American yeah, kid that's just like this. Maybe too. that was it. But it also rings r- reminds me of a, a, a something called acquired savant syndrome, where uh, you know a, there was a case of a guy who jumped in a pool hit his head and knew how to play classical piano after that but it's like it's almost like tapping in <laughs> guys to... <laughs> don't get any big ideas out there right but uh tapping no into yeah. <laughs> someone's uh energetic life or being it so close to family that makes it uh it begs it begs you into the question of of afterlife and uh and stuff like that or just like tapping into some sort of uh 
you know, they call it an Akashic record. Everything that ever happened, everything that is going to happen is up in the ether, and all mm. you need to do is tap into it. It's a very strange story. What do you think? Well, I, I and think... what's your family think? Because the story's been passed well, look, down. The family embraces it like, isn't this fun? And yeah. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> and and a cause for concern and and kind of like lovely and horrific and and uh, bottom line, interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is that elusive thing we all seek, right? Yeah. So what science has has realized in the last 150 years is that uh, Rancy probably suffered from Sleeping Beauty Syndrome, mm. which is uh, a, a kind of narcolepsy that leaves people falling asleep and then hallucinating and uh, that kind of thing. Uh, of course they've reduced it. I'm not surprised there. You well... Know, science is, we've got the answer. But that's fascinating too. I mean... But also, it but it also, I think, speaks to the idea that people want so desperately what they want. Yeah. And Asa missed his daughter so much mm. that he went over and introduced the idea of Mary right. into of her course. life. Sure. And then suddenly Mary was there. Right. So uh, I think I think Rancy, while she may not have been a schizophrenic, I think she had some mental problems where she heard voices mm -hmm. and... and uh, that fed into everything everyone wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. And and then she also probably, you know, the people being what they are, she probably liked attention and she was a national name for a little while. And and she just getting kept getting encouraged by Asa and Stevens to to prove what they hoped. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that's one theory, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Price <laughs> is not going to let go of this. Well, I'm not, I, you know, I... <laughs> I don't know. I think there might be. Uh, who knows? I mean, uh, you know, you find with a lot of these people. You say, you know, they 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 like the attention and stuff. A lot of these people who undergo like a, uh, you know, their their abduction cases or or stuff like that, or or traumatizing ghost experiences. There's sometimes they're not. In, they don't like being in that club. You know. Um, Absolutely, but I think there's also something very seductive about it. Nevertheless, true. And don't you feel sometimes as a as a believer? Someone who wants to believe, like that poster in Mulder's office. Mm -hmm. Don't yeah. you feel like like an e evangelical who that who gets psychically healed and faints on stage, mm. and then has nothing change within their body, but they believed in that moment that they're gonna get healed, and and they fall down and give their money, and they've been suckered by someone who's got an earpiece in. Yeah. No, I mean, they, they, there's a lot of uh, debunking. I, I was just uh, reading about that one guy who's, yeah, exactly. He uncovered a lot of those uh, cases like, you know, Yuri Geller and the Bending of the Spoons. He's like, this is how they do the it. The Amazing Randy. Yeah, The Amazing Randy. Yeah, he, there's a great Listen, documentary about Anybody listening, him. go on YouTube and, and find The Amazing Randy debunking psychics. It's the funniest, <laughs> most, it's, it, it fills we'll me link, with we'll rage. Throw, and we'll he had throw a, challenge. a link in the show notes. Yeah, he had a challenge as well. You know, I offer a thousand dollars. Million dollars. Um, well, it ended up becoming, to, yeah. it went from a thousand to a hundred thousand to a million. And uh, for what? To, to do what? To, to, to have somebody approve pr supernatural ability. ability. And, uh, and he was able to pretty fairly well debunk any and everything that came his it's way. It's hysterical and, and just infuriating to watch the videos. But you know, what you'll find is in a lot of these cases, and you know, whether it be a Bigfoot, UFO, or ghost, is when they try and relegate it to a controlled uh, circum of, uh, you know, a, a, a controlled environment. Like, yeah. you, I want you to do it at this time and at this place. Yeah. You know, whatever it is, uh, it says, you know, we're not going to play by those rules. But you've seen the videos or you've read stories about Absolutely. people who, who, like, 
hire a psychic and ask for information about the place they're in, and they give this long history and detailed stories about the guy who lived here and his Miximatosa mm-hmm. and, and the fact that he was run over by a dairy cart and all this. And then you come to find out that all that was written as a fiction and put on the internet a week before they brought the psychic in. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, listen, you know, there's a lot of those cases where you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, these things are pretty well easily debunked, but the cases that we like to focus on are when you get like, um, there was one incident, I, I believe it was in uh, in Africa, it was that, that uh, case that John Mack was studying towards the end. It, it happened on a, a schoolyard. I believe it was called uh, the Ariel Schoolyard in Africa. And, and um, right in the middle of the recess, you know, this uh, this ship landed, materialized out by the field, and all these kids saw it, about 60 of them, and they reported things coming out. And and so when you get, like, some sort of, like... Eyewitness account. A mass eyewitness account along with... And, and then when you start to triangulate it with, with, with photographic evidence that can match it and stuff, and these but, are the cases yes, that get... but the... the, the the quality of human nature is that uh, if if all of my friends are saying that, I must be wrong, and so I'll agree with them. Mm-hmm. And if I go to a, a tent revival and I and and I get uh, the the power of the Holy Spirit swept across my aisle, yeah, I go down with everybody, right? Not because I want to, not because I'm choosing to, but I just do, yeah. Because even though there's nothing going on. It's all that mass hypnosis thing. I, I think I, I I'm I'm sorry to say I think it all can be reduced to that because, I mean I love fantasy and and the poetic irony of science fiction and and psychic things and and entertainment like that. I sure. love it, and <clears throat> it makes me cry and it makes me laugh and scared and all that. But uh, I I just can't get into the idea that this is happening without any over the years without any provable circumstance, not one provable circumstance. Well, I, you know, I, I, I would disagree. I think there's a lot of proof out there in some of these amazing cases, especially like we were saying that the, the, with the pilot releasing that video, you can't not help but to look at this thing that these pilots are seeing and say, you know, what is that? Yes, that's, that, that but is a, saying what is that is not the same as saying that's a yeah. blank. I no, totally that's, agree. That's, that's, and that I think is... That that's what keeps the mystery going. Profitable. That's oh, what, yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> hopefully, uh, no. But I'm saying right. like that. That is what. For example, I haven't told you the story. I've told it on the podcast. I I always am worried about repeating. But uh, a couple years ago, I woke up to my dog barking at the window, and I walked out to the window. The curtains were drawn, so I couldn't see through. So I'm already going okay. I can't judge completely what I'm seeing here, but outside the, my window, my ground floor window, there was the silhouette of, of an entity that looked like it had directly come off the screen from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. A movie you had seen. Yes. Yeah. However, a long neck, uh, inverted kind of teardrop shaped head, did not look human, and so on the nose that I was not scared, I thought to myself, the first thing I knew for sure was that there was somebody at the window peering in through How the curtains. How far curse. away was he? Oh, or, uh, she, or she. Uh, like 10 feet. Okay. Okay. My dogs are now going ape shit, barking at this thing. And Have I, they seen the movie? 
They have not seen it. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So I don't know, but this, but but this also, this is also kind of opens up to a whole other question about this. So they're going ape shit, and I think to myself, well, geez, that looks like an alien. That's the first thing that came to my head. Mm-hmm. And then right when I thought that, the being at the window turned its head. And I could see where the elongated neck fused at the back of the skull. Wow. And it looked like a golf wedge, like a sand wedge. But it was undulating like like a, a person or a, a biological creature moving. And it was, I mean, it only came up just over the, it was. It had to be standing about four feet, three to four feet tall. Mm-hmm. It just came over the window sill. So you just saw a long skinny neck and this big head, classic gray alien shape so when it moved i went holy shit and i turned on the light and it ran off Mm. and i could not find it i went out so we i walked around the property my neighbor came out and i asked him if he had just gotten home because he works on a film he was working on a film at the time and and uh i knew he was getting in late i live in an apartment building how old were you then this is two years ago okay and um my neighbor said no i've been up and he goes why and i go and i didn't want to say what i saw i just said someone was looking in the window the dogs woke me up because something someone was looking in the window and he said that is so creepy he said because i've been um uh up for the past hour watching netflix and he said i could have sworn i was being watched that felt like there was something in in the apartment with me and so we looked around. I had him actually like stand outside my window so I could see what the shadow of a grown man mm-hmm. would look. It looked completely fucking different. Mm. Like it literally night and day, well, not literally night and day, but I mean, it was it was a completely different shape in the window. So here's the thing. I don't know what I saw. I cannot say it was an alien. You know, I actually didn't even feel like it was actually an alien. I actually felt like that my instincts told me that I had caught a glimpse of something passing through. Mm -hmm. Um, If I had, if my dogs had not seen it first, if I had not woken up to my dog growling and then barking at it, I would have thought I was seeing, seeing things. But um, this is a situation where... I saw something that was similar to many other accounts that I've read, and I can point to that as being the guide, the guiding light of what I had encountered. I cannot define it. I will never say for sure what I saw was this, but it is something that I cannot explain and has kind of set there's a whole reason I'm doing this show is because there's that little window that little window of mystery that's open for me there where I cannot, I know it was not a guy standing at the window. Mm. It was something else. Well, sure. And you know, we did an episode on, excuse me, a guy named John Mack. He was a Harvard psychiatrist, one of their leading psych. He was the chairman of their field over there. And he took on this, uh, the case, the abduction, the alien abduction case studies. It was something he really didn't want to get into. He was hesitant to get into it, but he's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to look into this. And he, he ended up in his lifetime uh, interviewing over 200 uh, supposed alien abductees. And, you know, it's like it's like you. He wasn't able to reduce this to like, hey, I this is these are cases of aliens coming and taking these people physically. 
Um, he never got around to, to literally defining what he thought may be happening, but he said there is a real phenomenon here happening, and it's more than just hallucination. You know, these people aren't just seeing things. They're not schizophrenics. They're not, they're not crazy. They don't meet those scientific standards or definitions of what a crazy person is feeling, you know? Um, so it's, it's, we're left with a mystery of, uh, uh, of no one's really sure what's happening, you know? Right. And that's why there's these different fields of like, hey, there's the nuts and bolts crew that's like, you know, these are aliens from planet so-and-so. They're coming here. They're observing us, um, you know? And then there's then you have other fields that are like, you know, like a Jung, Carl Jung, who's like, hey, maybe this is like, a, you know, a, kind of a psyche and matter um, you know, there's some sort of psychic projection happening sure. in tandem with these things. Right. That there is some sort of phenomenon happening. This is where, I, where when you joked about how my dog seen uh, close encounters, I wonder if perhaps the shape of the window was something different to my dogs right. as well. That there is sort of like it requires the object being observed and the observer to create what the image is. Mm-hmm. And if that, you had seen a movie about like a man who had transformed into a a driving, uh, <laughs> a, like a, a golf might, driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you might say, "I know, I saw a golf man." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe as, I don't know. As yeah, it yeah, leaves, yeah. As it leaves you here. Yeah, I'm just using sh- I'm just using shapes to explain, you know, right. objects I'm, to, to and compare I'm it to. You see something you don't recognize, so you assign it something that right. is familiar. Right, right, right. Exactly. Or that, or even one step further, that the thing that's there to be observed. And this is a wild theory. I mean, this is just wild. Let's throw this shit out there. But it could be, and we'll see in the high strangeness case today. I think there is some weird fucking shit going yeah. on. And I think that a lot of what what's what might be possible too is that whatever in our heads manifests in relationship with whatever that thing that wants the entity that wants to be observed. So perhaps if you are an evangelical, that might have looked like a devil creature instead of an alien. Yeah. Or if you were living 300 years ago in Ireland, it might appear as a leprechaun. Mm-hmm. But it, it to me in the 20th century, being an X-Files guy, being someone who had not no less than two weeks before then been to Roswell, New Mexico. That yeah. shouldn't influence you at all. Well, but I'm saying perhaps it did. It, but it doesn't negate that 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 there could have been an entity on the other side of that window that was. You're using... right. You can't prove a negative. No, but it could also be if you had if you had you know just completed a a course at MIT, you might be able to identify that immediately. What that is. Are you calling me a stupid ghost? No. <laughs> I'm not saying you're a ghost at all. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, I, I think uh, a lot of these cases will show, I think, that the observer plays an integral part to, to what they're witnessing. And um, well, that's how I, I think I've it takes... Ca- it's the, religion, isn't it? In a sense, you know, it, maybe not. I, I, because, really, I, because you interpret it the way it makes sense to you, and, and the creation of the universe but, is based on a patriarchy, which we are all familiar but, with. But but I don't put my foot down and say I saw an alien gray. Right. I don't do, I do not do that. I say I something I saw something that was highly unusual, highly strange, that is has a lot in common with other similar cases like this and stuff that I've read since then. And right, but, but it's also like it's it's one of your good stories and you want it to be something that is undefinable. And, and yeah, but no, no. I actually I ins- have to argue with you because when it's just unexplained, I could have, I would have rather not had that experience. And it's not but you about built a this, podcast around it. No, no, no. But but 
No, but I, I, no, I, because I, I know, I know what I don't know what that was. You know what I mean? I know what I saw. I know what my dog saw. I yeah, cannot you, explain. You it. know what you don't know. Right. Okay. Right. No, but uh, it, it, this is a weird thing. When I hear stories of people talk about this and go, I know it wasn't a balloon. I know it wasn't a plane. I know it wasn't a bear. I know, you know, All what right. I saw was this specific character or figure i can relate to that experience and i tend to go all right just because you saw a hairy neanderthal creature sitting up in a tree doesn't mean it's a sasquatch but i believe that they saw what they saw they you believe that they believe what they saw yes okay yes well (laughs) okay i mean that's so subjective that it's just it's inconsequential Right. No, look, this is this is this this here here this is the essence of the argument of the mystery, right? This is the, this is the argument of all of this stuff. It's you can, you're right. We don't have proof of it. I'm not trying to say that my experience proved that that's what it was. And it's not something that I carry around as like a a party story either. Well, even when we get proof that is like almost irrefutable, like just to take for an example, like crop circles, when they, when these investigators go, you know, look into (laughs) I love that you're trying to calm this conversation down by throwing, introducing crop circles into it. (laughs) (laughs) But no, no, you know, uh, people often ask for where's the physical proof and then you give it to them, whether it's uh, implants that, uh, that, that, Wait doctors a minute. are taking you got to go back to crop circles. Are you saying sure. that that's proof? That's there, physical proof of aliens visiting? I'm saying there's a lot of physical proof no, within physical those crop evidence. Physical evidence, not proof. You're right. Oh, Thank okay. you. There's a lot of physical evidence within those crop circles. But you you that know are, that they this crop circle stopped happening essentially when the people doing it were caught. No, when I know they you're talking about. It. But that's not true. That's not true at all. The, the two people that uh, you know claim to make a majority of the crop circles. Crop circles are still still appearing in London. Uh, you know, in all those places every because year. Because the video came out. Everyone can do it now. No, I don't think that's true. Listen, the, the the evidence that I was referring to are like, you know, the, the actual genome of the crop is is changed, is molecularly changed. You know, there's electromagnetic radiation in some of these some of these patterns. You're not going to get like so, with a, with right. a board and a string going around, you know. But what's they, the logic eye, of this communication? There's eyewitnesses of people seeing these crop circles form in front of their eyes. Literally, there's there's a cases where planes will fly over and then on their way back to the airport, those crop circles, they're there, large crop circles that could not be made by two. These are, you know, happen literally over minutes, over minutes at yeah, a time. Yeah, but there's also eyewitness reports of Jesus coming up to a woman and saying, hey, you've got great tits. I know, but yeah. but, the, <laughs> but well, thank you, you, Jesus. But, but when you're asking for like... Jesus. Yeah, it's like, right. my dad made those. Right. <laughs> Ew, creepy Jesus. But there's a lot of evidence in those crop circles that, that, that cannot be explained, you know, physical well, evidence. look, the point is we can't... Right. We're never going to be able to to convince you of, I'm never going to be able to convince you of what I saw. I don't actually think I have anything to convince you of. I can tell you what I witnessed and that I cannot explain it. I and believe that it. entirely. That's it. That's all, that's all, that's, that's all this is. However, that instance is consistent with other similar but cases. But it also is consistent with your desire for it to be something extraordinary. Yeah. Yes, although I don't think this is this is the this is the the part I'm hanging on to. Yes, you're correct. However, when I'm waking up at 
3.33 in the morning because my dogs are barking. I'm thinking I there's nothing in that moment where I'm like, I'm about to, there's nothing leading up. I'm, I'm like, I better shut the dogs up because I think Kyle's coming home and the neighbors are going to wake up. And, and let me finish my point. Yeah. And then I see this thing. I go, completely takes me by surprise, completely takes me out of the moment, you know, and and suddenly... I am having a profound experience. Lucky you, and how exciting. Yes, right. But I'm not like, despite the fact that we have a, you know, it's inspired a podcast to a degree, I think I might still have this podcast had that not happened. Well, and to use that argument, with those commercial airline pilots that just reported this thing, are you saying that they have a desire to see an unidentified flying object, you know, zoom across their uh, commercial airline plane? Probably not, you know? Um a lot of those case studies of the abduction phenomena, there's people who have no, never watched the alien movies or had any idea what those were. And, but they're all, they're all explaining the same thing across time, across culture, too, where there's, sim- there's similar circumstances that just can't be correlated to, oh, hey, we watched the same movie. They're experiencing the same thing with, with, uh, with similarities that are pretty much, you know, you can't just, I mean, listen, I'm not trying to argue for the point that I have no idea what, what's out there. I know there's something that's happening. So, so there have been many abductions, um, and and some of them are very similar to each other. The majority of them are okay across time and across space. You know, different countries, different people. But, but there's missing a- time. It's vague memories of being examined. It's not vague memories. There are very clear memories. Okay, some are vague, some are clear. I assume. Mm, yes. Yeah. Sure. Of course. Okay. Sure. And some w- are wildly report. Entities of widely ver- of wide variations as well, right? So there's gray aliens and there's rhino, there's, rhino headmen. There's yeah, basically. Okay. I don't know if there's a case with rhino headmen, but there's gray aliens, there's reptilians, insectoid types. Weird. We've yeah. done stories on this of of people seeing uh, strange creatures, strange aliens, and they are bizarre. So like, are they all from different planets? Are they part of a federation who have come and decided to very quietly? Your, your guess is as know. good as yeah. ours. You know who knows? Uh, who knows? Who knows? You know, there's well, I mean, a great. I mean, I do. I do kind of subscribe to the idea that that just like um, a bug doesn't understand what you're doing to it, we don't understand. We what's being bring done this to us. up all the time. Yeah. Sure. I think that there is something else happening in reality, whether it is literal alien creatures coming to visit us, or slipping from another dimension, or it's some type of phenomenon about the human existence that we have that science has not been able to like figure out do you think what there's that some is. message that this is trying to be conveyed a lot of times there are messages in this stuff a in my the- situation there was no message there literally the instinct that i had was like it was like seeing a raccoon in the wild or something it was like literally i had caught a glimpse of something that i don't typically get to see and it seemed to me like something that was just passing through if this happens again can i suggest one thing yes please reese's pieces <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly all right cool we're gonna take a break and when we come back we're gonna have a story that is going to infuriate our guest <laughs> hey what's up guys this is bryce johnson from bigfoot collectors club listen if you have a paranormal story we want to hear it Write to BigfootCollectorsClub at gmail.com with your paranormal encounter, and we just might read it on a future episode. And welcome back, and it's time for High Strangeness. Now, if you... uh, I I really picked a gem of a story for today's (laughs) guest. 
This is uh, this story is so insane that I mean I I am very th- this is one of these uh, stories of high strangeness that I tend to come down on the side of I don't believe any of this okay right. but it's a great story and there is the cool thing about it is we have a couple witnesses that support some of these accounts. There is some, f- some physical, physical evidence. evidence there. The military police are involved. Mm-hmm. The uh, police are involved. Anyway. Arresting drunk people. Yeah, arresting drunk people. <laughs> well, and um, but it's one of these stories that, like, it's so wild that it's one of that I just enjoy for the story of it. Um, as listeners know, I tend to like the stories like the Flatwoods Monster or the Verona's UFO landing where there's a, a crashed UFO or a UFO landing and whatever steps out of that craft is actually not like the Alien Greys. It's more of like a 1950s B movie mm-hmm. monster. They're more, a little bit more colorful, a little bit more we- really weird stuff. Jack and, Kirby. Yeah, like Jack Kirby shit. We've actually brought him up on the... I'll show you a photo sometime of the Verona's UFO uh, draw, you know, drawings of what this creature... And he looks straight up like the juggernaut <laughs> from Jack Kirby Comics. <laughs> this is a thing that happened on the on the other side of the Iron Curtain before they could even get Marvel Comics right. in, in the yeah, 80s. That should be it there. Yeah, so it's cool. But... um. And uh, this one, though, is so it's just chock full of high strangeness. And it's one that I felt like if I were actually to get any further into researching this, I might go crazy. <laughs> um, so this is the story of the Zanfretta abductions that took place in uh, the late 70s and early 80s in Italy. Now, Piero Fortunato Zanfretta was a 26-year-old security guard working for a private firm called Valbasago. So it was his job to patrol neighborhoods in and around the Marzano, uh, Italy area. And he's kind of like, you know, you know, you see those patrol cars, uh, private security roaming around your neighborhood or like ADT. He was basically the Italian version of that. On December 6, 1979, he drives up to a private villa belonging to Dr. Ettore Brigid <laughs> and notices that the gate is wide open and there are lights moving around in the lawn. So uh, Zanfretta says to himself, okay, we got some thieves. This is what I'm here to do. So uh, uh, as he's approaching, his car stops working. His car shuts off. So he kind of was like, that's weird, but whatever, he's going to get out and investigate anyway. So he gets out and he draws his weapon. And as he's sneaking around like a garden wall to see who the thieves with the flashlights in the lawn, he gets a push on the back of his shoulder and he turns around and he claims that he came face to face with a 10 foot tall green monster that had a saggy flesh with three horns protruding out of each side of its face, yellow triangular eyes, uh, red veins popping out of the top of its head, and long fingers with uh, circular uh, fingertips. The, other, the, the thing also had a metal, what looked like a, a, a metal strip or breathing apparatus around its mouth. Okay. So Not your typical... <laughs> Alien. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask it. This was at night. This is at night, and and you needed a flashlight. This to see is anything. It. He had his flashlight. He had a flashlight. He had his flashlight with him, and he actually in the story he says that he dropped his flashlight when he saw it, picked it back up, and ran. And as he was running, he heard a hissing sound coming from the other side of the villa. 
and he looked over his shoulder and saw a giant uh, triangular craft rise mm. that was um, made of snakes. Made of snakes. It was thirty. <laughs> it was lifted by snakes. Uh, that was thirty meters wide. He said about thirty meters wide, and it was super bright, glowing with all these different colored lights and it, and immense heat. Mm. He got back to uh, his car and managed to radio to headquarters to the security firm saying something something's going he was panicking he got a 487 <laughs> yeah 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 giant reptilian creature i love that all of our uh, eyewitnesses all have uh southern accents no matter where they're <laughs> it this happens is in Italy. every time <laughs> yeah every time even our scientists have redneck accents but um he was they they said on the other end he was going they're so hideous i don't know what's happening he was like sputtering panicking, panicking. Mm. so they send two guys out there and it's an icy cold icy night it's in early december and when they get to the villa they find the car and they find Zanfreda laying face down in the lawn and they said the the first weird thing about it was that Zanfreda was warm and dry even though it the ground was wet and it was cold out and that the car was hot and on to the touch and hot inside of the car as well as if some immense heat had been you know it, it, it absorbed some type of heat so um they wake him up. He cannot. He's he kind of blacked. He claims to have blacked out after making the radio call. I think about an hour or so had passed. Um, and the uh, let me see the they um, the the Italian military police got called as well because once they started hearing when the he told the the guards he's like I saw this thing I saw this craft they called the military police the uh, Carab- carabineers. And they came out that night, and while they're talking to Zanfred about what happened, they found uh, two uh, like um, circular, uh, semicircular imprints in the lawn behind the villa that could have looked like landing gear had been had depressed that area. Um, And the uh, papers ran it within the next couple days, and and a lot of people in town. Um, were making fun of Zanfreda. They they brushed it off immediately as a hoax until the proof arrived. Well, exactly. <laughs> Get, uh, the, the, if you were going to look for any proof in this, it only gets weirder and it only gets more and more unprovable. But there was a there was a um, reporter from the Corriere Mercantile, Reno Di Stefano, who became very interested in the case. He went, "All right, this guy's kind of being ridiculed, but this is a really interesting story. So I'm going to go talk to this guy and see if I." Can can find out more about it. And one of the things that he found out when he was reporting the story that he confirmed with military police that there had been 52 eyewitness accounts that night of strange lights in the sky around the Marzano area. Hmm. So uh, the reporter, Di Stefano, uh, says, you know what? I know this, um, he knew a, a psychiatrist who was also a hypnotherapist uh, named Dr. Mauro Moretti, and he brought Zanfreda to him to see if he could get more of, uh, the, retrieve the memories from this missing time. A, re- a regressed hypnosis. Right. So under hypnosis, Zanfreda recalled being taken on board of the triangular craft mm. between the time he radioed and when the guys arrived. Where the green monsters placed a helmet on his head that Zimfreda believed was an instrument used to translate their alien language. They sat him in a bright white room and explained that they had arrived, uh, had arrived on Earth from the third galaxy, 
whatever that means. Counting from where. <laughs> exactly. And would return soon. And the next thing Zinfredi can recall is being woken by the guards on the on the lawn. So we're from the third galaxy. Yeah, yeah. that's really all we're going to tell. <laughs> yeah, you. that's uh, we're going to just zero it down to we, that. We want to keep it lame. Yeah, for yeah. you. <laughs> Would you like a dragonfly? Yeah, I mean this there's, this story is full of just nonsense, honestly, sure. but it's all really fun. Uh, so. That was kind of like, and and Di Stefano thought, uh, the reporter thought, okay, this stuff is so crazy. I don't, I don't know what to make of this. And then um, uh, later that month in December, Zanfreda disappeared again. Mm. Okay, Zanfreda was approaching a tunnel near the uh, Scofaro Pass in his car. <laughs> I don't he, think you can say he disappeared the first well, time. Well, go ahead. No, well. They they got a distress call. I'm, I'm true. Right. Okay. He was found face down. He was found face down. I was, there was another incident involving this guy. So uh, he is driving through this tunnel, and his car started to drive itself through the tunnel. And on the other side of the tunnel, there was fog and lights in the fog. He calls in and says, very in a very calm voice. He says, uh, there's lights in, and I'm going out. My car is stopped and I'm going out to look at the lights. And they're like, uh-oh, what is this guy doing again? So Too bad he was alone. Go I ahead. know, he, exactly. They send guys out to go find him. And when they locate his car, they find him again laying in a ditch. <laughs> his car is hot. Um, but there's a couple different uh, things this time that, that, that also point to some physical evidence. He's got um, a script. He's got a script. in his hand. Uh, he, there were six. Written. Yes, there's six bullets missing from his gun. Uh, they can't find the casings. He claims he doesn't know how the bullets were fired or or went missing. Um, the military police come back out. They see a giant, uh, enormous footprints in the mud all around the car. And again, um, they were boot prints. They describe them as boot prints. Hmm. And again. Um, Zanfredi was warm and dry, even though this was like shitty, uh, 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 December weather in Italy, the car was hot, super hot to the touch. Um, Zanfreda, um, claimed, uh, that, uh, he had, again, under, this is under hypnosis. Um, and this is actually really crazy because, um, they decided, they convinced him to, uh, go on TV and do the hypnosis uh, and be televised and oh, filmed, wow. and it aired. And so under that televised hypnosis, and Freddie said that after he got out of the car, the giant green monsters appeared once again, and one of them took his gun, and he claims fired the gun silently, and the bullets, like, disappeared, hmm. um, de-armed, de-armed him. Uh, and then Zanfredi was taken by green light up into the sky, and he found himself in a room full of controls, like a dashboard room, and noted that they're... Uh, much the, like our airplanes might Yeah, have. much like our airplanes might Go have. Ahead. But noted it was much larger. He actually said that the interior of the craft looked much larger on the inside than what it would look like on, on the outside. So there's some weird dimensional disproportion happening here. Right. It's a Tesseract. Uh, and that the um, there were 10 beings in the room with him. They stripped him naked, covered his eyes, and ran a cold instrument over his chest, saying that they needed to use humans as guinea pigs. Now, for what? I don't know, because as you'll find out, this story is consistently inconsistent. 
The leader of the Green Monsters told Zamfretta that he was named Almach, and he was the prince of his people, called the Dargos. They had come to Earth because their home planet was dying, and they were looking for a new home. They were planning on building a domed city on Earth, and they had, and then they handed Zanfretta an orb containing a golden pyramid that acted as a television displaying images of their home planet. They explained that they had taken two animals that they had thought to be alive from the villa, from the doctor's villa the first night. And that's why they were at this villa. They were they had taken two animals to study. Now, Ooh. this is where we get into real high strangeness territory. Sure. I think this you're is also there. there's some well, <laughs> this but this is, is also this weird, weird yeah. thing. This also makes me think that okay, A, he's hallucinating, he's going crazy. But B, there's some weird behavior on these alien parts that seem to me to me, if I'm gonna take this seriously, which is hard to do. That whatever this intelligence is that's contacting him is presenting themselves as these weird creatures because they are behaving very strangely. Because here's the thing. They claim that they stole two animals to study. Listen, listen. Oh, well, I'm all ears. And the police confirmed that from the doctor's villa, there were two stuffed parrots that were stolen. Wow. Right? That Zanfreda had no idea about. So it's almost like these entities are like these weird, they're almost trying to be aliens, but they're not doing a good job at selling themselves as aliens. Well, I mean, they stole two animals, which are stuffed parrots. Yeah. Do you know what's inside a stuffed parrot? It ain't parrots. No, I know. We'll take these. That's what I'm saying. So it almost like... If if he was contacted by a higher intelligence, I'm not sure that intelligence is that much higher. You know mm. what I mean? It may come from a different realm, but it seems it's like it's almost like this these entities are wearing the clothes of space monsters yeah. and doing a bad job at some again, third galaxy, that makes no sense. Stealing parrots, why stuffed parrots to study, why? It's almost as if these things are in disguise and doing a bad job of playing the part. That's just something that sticks out to well, me. Well, uh, that means that they don't have enough uh, creativity to make it to, to create something believable. Yeah, and I, they may have that in common with this Italian gentleman. <laughs> yeah, they might. No, I know. And you have to keep in mind that all of the, he was he was made fun of in the press. This was not something that many people believed or took seriously. Um. So that so um, he he goes on TV, does this, tells the story. Story goes international. Zanfredo retold the story uh, again under a truth serum. They pumped him full of um, uh, pentanol or whatever penta, pentanol. Pentanol. yeah. And and under that, there's a new doctor came in, stepped in, and was like, "All right, let's see if this guy's telling the truth." Pumped him full of drugs, and under that um, examination, the psychiatrist said, "Look, I don't think he's schizophrenic." His mental health record has been really good up to this. He's a married guy. He had kids. He was a responsible person. He was good mm-hmm. at his job. This had just suddenly started to happen. Now, that's not to say that something's going off in his brain suddenly. But he said also under the amount of drugs that we gave him, he's telling his version of the truth. Sure. And they said old, overall, we find him to be of sound mind and body and a, a normal person ex- under extreme circumstances. Mm-hmm. So – uh, the story kind of dies down for a few months, and then on July 30th, 1979 um, – oh, is that 1980? Sorry. Sanfredi was abducted for a third time during a patrol route in Genoa. His Vespa was found on a mountaintop by a rescue team from the security company, and Sanfredi was found running in the dark a couple miles away. Um, and 
he claimed uh, under hypnosis again that um, he had been on patrol on the Vespa and the aliens came back. They picked him up again in the craft and they showed him the orb again and they said that they wanted to g- him to give this orb to a man that um, Sanfreda thought was named Heinke. Heinke. He kept saying Heinke. And the uh, psychologist, who was a new guy at this time uh, examining him, he said, Heinke, do you mean Heineck? And he goes, yes, that's it, Heineck, Heineck, Heineck. I'm getting an H. I'm sensing yeah. an H well, name. <laughs> no, and this is a little cold read and leading, but J. Allen Heineck was at the time the the, the foremost uh, uh, authority on, on UFOs in America. And Zanfreda claims you've never heard of this guy before. I think that's probably a stretch because he had – if you were someone who claimed to be abducted by aliens twice, you're probably going to start – do a little research. You might do a little research. <clears throat> Um, now, Heineck, of course, uh, he visited later after, and he's interviewed Zanfreda. He never received this orb. Mm-hmm. And in later accounts, Zanfreda claims that he did get it, but he buried it somewhere in the mountains. Okay? What? Yeah. That he, he had he been given the orb. from the aliens and then decided and, but, not to and deliver the, it? And decided not to deliver it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, no more abductions for a while until we get to the last couple in Dece- early December of the following year. Security officers saw bright lights over Mazzano. And driving to the source of the light, the security office- officers had trouble as their cars uh, shut down and restarted sporadically. Okay, this isn't Zanfreda. These are other guys. They saw yellow lights and a strange cloud got out of the car and fired at the lights, which then faded. Mm. Um, and... Uh, they had they opened fire on the they lights? opened fired at a cloud full of lights. That seems very irresponsible. It <laughs> seems to be, but Why they would made they open it go fire? away. They, they were, saw lights and they, they started w- shooting at them. Well, because they had gotten a, another distress call from Zanfreda, and so they were going out to to find him. And in the location where the, the call came from, they f- saw a glowing like mist, a cloud of fog with lights in it, and they shot at it. Why would they, they were, shoot at? I don't know. This is just what 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 the report is. I would offer. They why were terrified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, the, you don't know what it is, so you try to kill it. Yeah, that's pretty much how it goes, <laughs> right? Uh, I don't it know. It just doesn't it doesn't seem like that's protocol for. Well, it. I I'm not saying they were good at their jobs. Okay. <laughs> um, and there had been on this night, December second, uh, lights all being reported all around Mar- Marzano. Um, now. Zamfredi shows up again out in uh, a ravine near his stopped car. And when they find Zamfredi and wake him up and they talk to him, he claims this is what happened to him that night while these guys are seeing the weird lights. And shooting at them. Yeah, and shooting at them. Because well, maybe the lights brought out, you know, maybe they had a cell phone or a wallet and they just thought it was a gun. <laughs> exactly. It turns out they shut. Well, never mind. Uh, Zanfredi was at a gas station when he claims that he was approached by a strange, faceless man with a head like an egg, wearing a checkered suit and a silver turtleneck. The egg man <laughs> ushered Zanfreda into back into his car, which was then driven by itself and moved into a fog with lights emanating out of it. So, Zanfreda was taken into a giant mothership craft, he claims, that when he walked into the craft, there was what amounted to a small city inside of this craft. And he could see out portholes and see uh, Earth, that he was outside in Earth's orbit, and he could see Earth below. 
and the reptilian monster creatures are there, the Dargos, and they start showing him around, and they show him giant blue uh, vats of blue liquid where they he claims to have seen a caveman. He claims to have seen a frog-human hybrid man <laughs> that the Dargo said was one of their enemies, and he saw some kind of contained bird creature all in suspended animation in this tube. And... Um, uh, Almach, the prince, showed Zanfretta a book that contained the identities of every human on Earth. And when they uh, they tried to offer him another crystal orb with the pyramid in it, and Zanfretti was like, no, oh. I don't want to do this. And he breaks the orb. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they uh, are upset at him because he's not doing their bidding. Now, um, good for him. At one point in this encounter... Zanfretta claims that gunshots were heard, and that even though they were seemed to be in Earth's orbit, the Dargos told them that uh, his people were like firing at them, and this lines up with the police officer or the security officer's account of shooting into this. But it's weird because to them they were very close to this object, mm. but in Zanfretta's account, he could hear the gunshots, but they were very, you know, yeah. They were in they their ship was supposedly outside of orbit. Um. So yeah. So he was returned. They found him in another ditch. They cleaned him up. They did the hypnotherapy. This is the story that came out. Um. And then the final big abduction took place. <laughs> I just picture the, the aliens like driving around for a while looking uh, look, for a ditch. Yeah. Where's the ditch? There's this one. We got one. Finally, put it back in there. Let's dry them right. off um, first. Mac, that's the same ditch. I know, but it wouldn't yeah. make sense if we Why used a yeah. different ditch every time. So uh, in February of the following years, Amfreda said he felt compelled to get into his car and just drive. And he came upon, once again, the strange Eggman standing on the side of the road. And the Eggman descended into a triangular craft. Mm. And uh, Zinfredi was supposed to follow him. Um, and But he had called. Every time this happens, uh, this is what's so crazy about the story. He always manages to radio in. People come out to look for him. They find him in a ditch. They find him want, r- r- scared, babbling, running around. It's almost like he's like, hey, guys, I'm about to have a freak out again. Come get me. I mean, the patience with which his fellow security officers treated him was amazing. And his superiors. Come yep. to think of it. Uh, and, oh, so anyway, this is interesting, though. Um, the security rescue team dis- were dispatched to come find him. They found, <laughs> found him once again in the ditch. But this is interesting. They had put monitoring equipment on his car to kind of study the car because it's, it's happening so much. And I don't know what type of scientific monitoring device this is, but they said that um, the equipment showed that the vehicle had been lifted off the ground. Wow. And that the um, the car, once again, when they found it, was extremely hot inside and outside. Yeah, that's a liftometer. Yeah, it's a liftometer. Yeah, it's a science that they have them in Italy. Um, okay, so although interest eventually died down, Zemfreda's abductions uh, did continue well into the, it seems, the early 90s, although they sort of diminished. And the interesting thing is that in the manner of five years, they claimed that he went from looking like a 26-year-old guy to like a 50, a fat, like 55-year-old dude with just like bleached white hair. This had taken its toll. It, it totally took a toll on him. No what, other explanation yeah, to that. No, yeah, yeah, I know. But, <laughs> but they just said that in the span of five years, he had aged 20 years or something. Um 
And uh, DiStefano followed the case throughout his career. He just kind of treated it like a human interest story. He was not a UFOologist. He didn't necessarily believe all this stuff, but he believed that Zenfreda believed that this Something stuff. Something was happening. Yeah, to he, the he wrote a whole book about it, um, and you can find that. I think it's called the like Zenfreda case or something. I can I can look it up. Um, but in the in the um, years thirty some odd years that have passed, thirty eight years, uh, Zanfreda he has always stuck to his story. Mm. Um, it's remained consistent. He's never said that these things didn't happen. Obviously, the Dargos have yet to build their dome city on sure. planet Earth. Maybe they're still going to do it. Who knows? Uh, maybe they decided after dealing with this guy that they don't want to come to Earth after all. Um, <laughs> but that's the story of uh, Piero uh, Zanfreda now, and his weird uh, alien abductions. Did he ever explain why he decided not to deliver the magic orb? <laughs> uh, why he buried no. it in well, the mountains? Well, I think that there. I think he did actually. I think it's in Di Stefano's um, book. But that's one of the inconsistencies that people point to often. They go, "Okay, well, if you had this, why didn't you ever give it to?" anybody mm. um, seems like a lot more trouble to go to well the they claim that um some people think that uh the military police actually took it that they 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 located and so took he lied it. on behalf of the military police no i think he they gave, were able to I recover think he t- there's there's a there's a theory that he took the military police to the place that he buried it uh-huh. and gave it to them and they were mum on Having that object, oh, well, that still it, doesn't explain why he chose not to do what they asked him to oh, do. Oh, exactly. It seems like an important event in well, his life. Well, here's the thing, um, and this is kind of the, um, I, I mean, not I, I, I didn't leave this out, but he was, he did not, he was terrified by these creatures. He kept saying that he was scared they were going to take him away from his wife and kids. All the more reason to do what they asked. Well, yeah, you would think, but he, he, by the end of it, that's why he like they handed him another orb and he threw it down and broke it. He didn't want to. He was by enough's the end of enough. it, he was like enough's enough. Leave me. He, he. By that point, he was like leave me alone. Um, and there's even a story it just that massive Joseph Smith to me. What's that? Oh, <laughs> totally. Oh, totally. Absolutely. These things don't show these to anybody. Uh, uh, no, absolutely. In fact, he's very much like Joseph Smith taking something that's like the golden tablets. You guys are talking about the but this time is a gold, yeah, yeah, but is a golden an orb with a golden pyramid in it and burying it in the wilderness. I mean, th- th- absolutely. Hmm. But interesting that there's some consistencies between those two weird stories: higher intelligence handing them an object, saying "Do this." He hides it away; nobody sees it. Uh, is it fake? Is it real? It's probably fake, but um, it's still interesting. That there, there, there's 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 there is that parallel there. That's probably some sort of um, archetype. That um, but I think I, I think this story is a, just a wild, um, uh, well a, exaggerated version of more believable abduction stories, right. which which are harder to. Make poke fun at or right. or poke holes in, right? But I think I think it's essentially the same thing. Okay, because we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to ask Scott what the hell was that? Yes. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that seventy five percent of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over thirty five, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey everyone, this is Riley. I wanted to let you know that we've launched our Patreon page. This month we're releasing special episodes like our Campfire Stories, Movie Club, and also exclusive behind-the-scenes conversations and videos. This week, we posted a conversation we had with Scott about contacting ETs through DMT. I grabbed it on the break when the guys didn't realize we were recording. Needless to say, Scott wasn't buying it, but it made for some great radio. Our weekly show will of course always remain free, but for $5 a month, our Patreon members will gain full access to the inner sanctum of the BCC. We hope you'll join us there. That's patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club. And thanks for listening. And we're back, and it's time to ask Scott, what, what the, the hell, hell was that? that? So you were saying before the break that you think that this is... What do you think happened here? You think this guy's making it up for attention? Do you think he's having a psychotic break? It could be a, a combination of both. He may be having a, He may have had a psychic break and then saw the potential in it and, mm-hmm. and then and then you know desired to feel that feeling again mm-hmm. and so had four more five more whatever it was incidents i right. incidents i incidents i yeah um and i i just you know i i feel i don't know whether to feel bad for him or to admire his uh veracity right and and his chutzpah right what do you think about um in these stories when they talk about finding physical evidence like footprints indentations in the ground that look like landing gear had compressed there when you have military police and security officers corroborating some of this stuff when the village of uh or when the area of, uh, when like people in marzano italy are seeing lights in the sky mm. do you chalk that up to um being that being inserted in the narrative as a hoax or do you think that people were misidentifying things? Yeah, I think it, it falls under the category for me of uh, the clock fell off my mantle. My grandfather has visited. Mm-hmm. Um, when there are many other you know explanations that's how for that. Grandfather clocks got their names, right? <laughs> and that's why they've <laughs> they made them the upright. Yeah, yeah they stay on the floor, so the grandpa sense. can't knock them over. Uh, yeah, I just I I think it's like. One one un, undeniable um, theory is it was a landing craft with with landing gear as we understand it, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm going to grab that one right out of the thousand other ways it could be explained. Right, right, I right, like, right, right. I like that one because right. it, it it supports what I want to believe. Right, right. Just like any other theory, I guess. Right. Mm. So you know, I, I can't say that it's, it wasn't landing gear, but for me, I think that the thousand other choices are more convincing. Right. I mean, it certainly opens up this whole like you know this uh, quote unquote extraterrestrial thing. When these stories get this weird, you try and like tie them to other stories, and you're just like, 
they don't make sense when they compare together and you're just like what is all this what is that if you were to take it at face value that uh that what happened to this guy actually happened okay and you were to like think like you know jesus just what could it all mean i you know? think that it is uh like i said i find this story insane and uh probably some type of hoax at the end of the day however for the sake of fun, uh, in the name of fun, if this were, if let's say these were an, an alien intelligence, I, I kind of think the impression I get is that whatever he was making contact or whatever was abducting him was some type of interdimensional entity that was doing a bad impression of aliens. Didn't quite understand our culture, didn't quite understand the human race, was sort of trying to play the part of space aliens and just doing a, a shitty job at it and therefore being more confusing almost like they were not playing a prank but trying to make contact and kind of fucking with this but I guy think, in I the think process your, your use of the term other dimensional is just a stopgap it, it because it's like a hundred years ago it was alien anything alien was unexplainable and therefore uh the reason uh ghosts are not really explainable so they're the reason and and other dimensional is just now that, that aliens are not quite as uh mysterious to us because we've been exploring them for so many years right other dimensional is like it's like stan lee cosmic rays it's like uh, cosmic rays caused it sure except i think what i'm getting to and again i don't want to like repeat a bunch of stuff we're talking on the show i'm just trying to wrap my brain around a lot of these stories and i think that some of these stories a they make no sense obviously sometimes they're hoaxes but i i'm thinking of that there is beyond beyond the the reality that we live in that there are higher planes of dimension where there are intellectual or other not intelligent there's some intelligent higher intelligence out there that um is trying to break through hold on uh it's the same thing it's it's come to us in many forms over the years over centuries sometimes they are demons sometimes they put on the mask of leprechauns or elves and sometimes they put on the masks of aliens now i'm not saying that there aren't also aliens from other planets that do visit here, because I think, again, it's, we have a little of column A, a little of column B. And I understand that this is a very vague concept, but in my mind, I am picturing that outside of the third dimension, there's a fourth dimension, a fifth dimension, outside of space-time. And they're all just kind of tricksters? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I think that they're... I think that there are many different types of entities that live out out in that dimensional higher dimensional realm i think some are trickster entities i think some are perhaps intelligences that are trying to guide us and teach us perhaps um now look i don't believe this scott yeah this is the thing i have to keep repeating i don't this is not a belief of mine but you like to this, think it it's fun to think about yeah this is if i were going to write a science fiction novel maybe i can narrow it down to this and play on the riff on this this is just me using my imagination yeah. right yeah. Because the, the thing that I like about this story in particular is that the behavior specifically of these weird creatures is so highly strange. The Eggman wearing a checkered suit with – it's like something got lost in translation. It's mm. almost as if like some teenage fifth dimensional imps got on <laughs> – got tapped into our reality and went – 
let's go be aliens. And they don't quite understand how it's like, no, 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 dude, if you're going to go do that, you got to go classic alien gray. Right. You got to pick them up. You got to come into their bedroom. And they're like, fuck that. Let's be giant lizard right. monsters. Right. And they're like, oh, we're from the third galaxy. Right. Like they can't. I don't know. Whatever. I'm just trying to think that it, it is. It is like this or or some just dumber entity trying to play this part. To what end? I don't well, maybe, know. Maybe it's translated through Zanfretta's intelligence and the words that he had to use and the images that were in right. his, uh, you know, memory bank and. You know, maybe that's just with the filter through which it came. Yeah. Right. So, so like is, the Bible. <laughs> Whoever wrote the Bible right, just right, only right. knew what they knew. Right, sure. right, right. Yes, exactly. And um, so, look, I don't believe this stuff. I'm just, that's the way I like to think about it. I offer that as a, um, a, a, a better version of this story that kind of explains some of the weirdness of it. I don't know. Obviously, we'll never know. And likely this never happened. Well, I believe every part of it. I mean, you know what I mean? Well, no, but I'm saying, but but the focus of this show is taking these stories that are that have survived and have passed down. This has some type of lasting power. Yeah, thanks to you. No, not thanks to me. Thanks to DiStefano, who wrote the book. Thanks to, I mean, Zanfred is still a sort of popular, yeah, like, D-list celebrity. He goes around at conventions. So I'm saying some of these, these, these are the equivalent of, like, our local, this is like our modern folklore here. Absolutely. And so I like I like these stories because they're fun. You know, that's that's yeah, oh, really. I, I do too. I love them. They're, yeah, they're yeah, really yeah. fun. I don't believe they happen. No, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, this one is a real and stretch. I, I, that I, one's I, a wild one. I do I mean... love. I do love. You know, a con man. I I think they're fascinating. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and hysterical. And and but I do. I will say that I I dis, I despise psychics. Oh yeah, you, we've, had, we've had a couple guests. We have a we have a, we've had a few guests. Rachel Bloom is uh, was on the show, and she is very anti uh, medium and psychic. And I know that there are listeners out here who are uh, that are psychics that listen to the show. So uh, you're no, not no offense. And we don't believe you. No no offense. <laughs> listen, but they I knew this was coming. I <laughs> think that the, yeah, I think that there you offend me. I, I, and I'm hoping to offend I, you. I I I think that the. At large, there's, it's a could very well be a charlatan industry, but I also think I'm open to that. There are people who actually have that ability. Uh, okay, and that's what I'm saying. You need to watch, uh, and hopefully there'll be a link uh, to the hundreds of videos of Randy, the amazing oh, Randy, yeah. we'll disproving put it, we'll all. We'll put of it that. up. I mean, I look forward to it. I love that stuff. It's great. Yeah, you know, during when we do research, I always love to start with the the skeptics version first because it gives you a, a great angle on a, some common sense and. Uh, some practical ways to look at it. But but here again, it you're always refuted with uh just for instance, you know, if it's a if it's if it's a hoax, then it's a mass hoax because you got other security guards and you got the Italian government involved. And that's that's when it gets a little sticky for me saying, you know, and it let's take it to let's let's put it in the time and context of what's happening here in America. Like for instance, a a well-known case like Roswell where, you know, then you so you you're you're saying that the uh the government is in hoaxing on that, and then the eyewitness accounts that all the all the people that saw the craft, and, and that's where it just gets a little sticky for me. Look, I, I just think uh, something's happening. I, I can't ex- I can't just relegate it to like uh, you know this guy's a con man or this guy is hallucinating or he's crazy or he wants this attention. Something happened to Zanfretta. And uh, and and it may not make sense for us, and we may not be able to to put it in a little box that like saying, "Hey, this is this is obviously what happened," but that's what makes it all the more interesting well, for me. Well, like Craig you know? Ferguson said, would say, 
It's not my our, business. None of our fucking business. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, before we go, Scott, uh, where can people find you if you want to be found? Um, no, I'm not social. Okay. Great. <laughs> Cool. Where can aliens find? Yeah, where yeah, can <laughs> in what a ditch? Yeah, which ravine should we look for you in? Awesome, uh, Bryce Johnson. Anything you uh, want to plug? Anything or no? Just want to say uh, a, a big thanks to. Uh, we just launched our Patreon account. Yep, and want to say thank you to those of you who have uh, contributed. Um, in fact, I'm going to do a surprise shout out right here to our uh, Patreon subscribers of last week: Aaron Howden, Linda Barker, Irene Brenton, Jeff Bayad. Michelle Spitzer, Caitlin Rizik, Donnell Champlin, uh, Elizabeth Hawk, and Jay Bray. The last three of you gave very generous donations. Thank you so Thanks, much. Guys. Yeah, uh, we didn't announce we we're going to do shout outs, but I think it's a good, good, uh, good way to thank everybody. You will each get a golden orb. Yes, you will. <laughs> Look for your golden pier- orb pyramid in the mail. Uh, and if you are interested in becoming a Patreon subscriber, uh, we are doing bonus episodes over there every month. We are working on merch. We hear your requests loud and clear. And believe us. We're working on it. Um, but uh, on Wednesday, April, I believe, yes, the 18th, we're going to release our first uh, Bigfoot Collectors Club movie club oh, episode. That's my birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Oh, thanks. So for your birthday, uh, we are all going to get together and watch Communion, the film Communion. Haven't seen it. And uh, to, yeah. we're going to... Re- right? Yeah, yeah. And we're going to... No, uh, that's uh, Contact. Oh, Communion okay. is Whitley Strieber, mm-hmm. uh, played by, in the film, by um, Christopher Walken. And it's a weird... I don't know if the that. movie holds up. I think the movie might be terrible, mm. but it was one that terrified me as a young oh boy. young young man so we're gonna watch it again Can't wait. uh so we'll have that patreon episode where we review and talk about the movie communion we're gonna try to do movies once a month so uh if you want to listen to that episode you can get that only on our uh patreon feed so that'll be up wednesday the 18th and we're putting up bonus episodes between now and then as well cool. uh riley bray anything no just Get get in, get into that Patreon, man. That's, that's a good vibe. Cool, and uh, thank you so much for listening, Scott. Thank you yeah, so man. much. My pleasure. This was a great uh, time. I must say that when I arrived here, I was a very devout skeptic, and I think that story about the checkered suit on the Eggman that did it has, for you, huh? You know what, man? I cannot fucking wait to get a call from you, being like. Michael, I'm, I'm so sorry. The Eggman. I saw the Eggman. I stopped over. At the Ar- I stopped at Arco on the way home, and there was an Eggman there. He's got an extra five minutes. Oh my god, that would be Google so Eggman. great. Um, thank you all for listening. I want to thank Riley always for producing our show and making it sound great. I want to thank uh, Sun Eaters for our song. Uh, it's from uh, the the track "Come Alone," courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. And uh, until next week, uh, we remain uh, in a ditch. In a ditch. <laughs> find us next to a hot car (laughs) and don't ask us where our bullets went because we We don't don't have a good answer for you (laughs) thanks guys see ya Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. 
Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.